Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pasco 10th Ward podcast. Uh, I had a wonderful time interviewing Tom and Taja Jenkins. It was so fun to interview them individually to really hear their story, how they met, and their perspectives on life. It was refreshing and just so much to hear. In this episode, we're going to listen specifically to Taja. It was really fun to get to know her and how she grew up. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm sitting in a home with Tom and Taja Jenkins. Um, so this is exciting because I'm going to have, and I'm going to interview them both, um, but one at a time. So that way we get some um, one-on-one time and all of that. So a funny backstory, uh, Brooke and I had a little debate of how you say her name. Sounds silly, but sure enough, I'm, I'm sure some of you guys have thought that at one point. And so I <laughs> asked her, so Taja, how do you say that? How do you say your name? Taja, you got Taja. it. Taja. Okay, good. So so I think we can get that out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your maiden name? Hawks. Hawks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to just tell us from the beginning. So where, where are you originally from? Um, well, I grew up in Oakley, Idaho. We moved there when I was like four mm. from Soda Springs, Idaho. So small town. Okay. Where's that by? Because I've been to Idaho, but I don't know. Yeah. That does not sound familiar to me. So if you know where Twin Falls and Boise, uh, not Boise, Burley uh-huh. are. It's 20 minutes south of Burley, mm. you know, about an hour from Twin Falls. Okay. How, how much was the, how many, how much was the population? It's tiny. It's less than a thousand within the city limits. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Just <clears throat> farm community, very spread out. I have to ask, did you harvest potatoes? I didn't harvest them. I did pull like samples. There you go. Okay. So, so you, I would anything. say you worked it. Okay. You did. <laughs> you did work that. Interesting. <laughs> So I'm curious. I'm so I'm originally from Las Vegas, oh, okay. so big city. Uh-huh. What was that like growing up in a small town and then sort of moving away and realizing that it really was a small town, right? Because yeah. I'm sure in the middle of it, you didn't think much of, much of it. Did you know any better? I'm assuming. Yeah, um, but when you kind of got older as a teenager, you would go to, you know, dances. You get to know kids from other schools, and they always asked you like you're from Oakley and you know, just kind of like <laughs> you are so from a backward community. <laughs> and so oh, you could just kind of hear it in their voice, you know? And so yeah. I was very aware that we were from a, a tiny town. Um, uh-huh. but growing up, my parents lived on about two acres and okay. a and, lot of room to run. And I imagine that's quite common for, um, everybody that lived there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was some things that the perks of living in a small town like that? It felt really safe. Like I think about it now and like I could just tell my parents I'm going to go for a run and because I did cross country and so mm-hmm. if I missed a practice, um, and I would just go run like four or five miles and my parents didn't think any, anything of it, you know, but I would not feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like as young as I did it, I would not feel comfortable letting my kids do that now. That's interesting. And I don't know if it's because of the city size or... Just the way things have changed, or maybe I'm paranoid. <laughs> no, I, don't, I definitely don't think you're paranoid. I feel the exact same way. And I grew up in Vegas, and being mm-hmm. down in, here in Tri-Cities, to me, this is, like, small. Oh, okay. And so when I when I see everything, I can see how everything's small, like, town feel, kind of, but, but not really. But mm-hmm. I still feel nervous about that. And mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I'm still adjusting to everything new. So yeah, I guess our kids are kind of little still, so. Yep, yep. very much so. So... <laughs> Okay, so how many siblings did you have? I had five older brothers. And you're the youngest. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Um, uh, if you asked me if I wanted a sister, 
I mean, yeah, obviously, but I think I had a pretty, I had a pretty good childhood. <laughs> mm. I imagine with a town small enough like that, you've known some other girls that were oh, yeah. probably like younger sisters to you. Um, yeah, yeah, you or older. Say that. <laughs> yeah, that too. Huh. Interesting. And were you born and raised in the church? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, from what you can remember, what was that like for you? What were some some things you feel like you've um, learned that you're still thinking about today? Oakley is probably 90 to 95% LDS. Oh, okay. And I grew up thinking people with other beliefs were like so far away from what I believed. Mm. And I've come to realize that that's not true. And I really like living here where we're not in the majority because I grew up in Oakley and then I moved to Rexburg and then, you know, okay. so I just kind of lived in that environment for a really long time. And so when we moved here and we send our kids to school where they're definitely in the minority. Yeah. And it's been really good for me to get to know neighbors who are really good salt of the earth people mm. and who are not members of the church. It's kind of, I wouldn't say I was judgy when I was younger, but I was kind of afraid of people. Who weren't members of the Different, church. Different, yes. Yeah, so, um, huh. yeah, I remember I worked for somebody uh, who was not a member of the church. She had hurt her back in a car accident, so she needed help cleaning her house. She wasn't elderly. She was just she was just hurt, and so I vacuumed the stairs and cleaned the upstairs and things. Um, and they were so good to me. They were so sweet. And I just remember thinking, this would be so cool if I could convert them. <laughs> and so <laughs> as a young teenage naive girl, I tried to have a conversation with her once and it did not go well. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, I was kind of depressed about that. Interesting. But yeah, my missionary. First real rejection. Yeah. My missionary experiences as a younger kid were very uh, naive, very just kind mm. of immature. <laughs> That's okay. I think about it back about it now. I feel the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, um, tell, tell me a little bit more. So you were born and raised in Oakley, Idaho. Um, did you go to school? Did you serve a mission? And sort of what was the just general overarching kind of path to your life that you led up to this point? Cause I'm going to pick apart that just a little bit, uh-huh. but just kind of give me an, a general idea. Um, okay. where you went. So, um, I had a lot of my older brothers go to BYU. That was kind of like the dream. And, Growing up in a small town, bigger towns scared me too. Mm. And I just kind of thought Provo is really big, even though it's not. <laughs> right. But I thought it's really big. And then my brother, just older than me, Riley, um, didn't make it into BYU. He went to BYU Idaho. And I remember dropping him off, and we were pretty close and uh, just liking the feel of it. It is and a very so, small town. Yeah. And so I chose BYU Idaho. Um, I just felt like it was closer to home in the way that it felt. And uh, I went for two years. I met Tom at the beginning of my second year. We got uh-huh. married the following summer. Okay. And so where was he in his schooling versus you? Uh, he he was a year ahead of me. Okay. Yeah. So right. he was three years older. He went to school a year. Then when I was mission, came back my freshman year. I met him my sophomore year. Mm, that so, worked out. Yeah. And so then you guys got married and then graduated. Mm-hmm. And then what happened after that? Tom went to school um, in Meridian, Idaho. So we moved to a little town called Homedale. It was just outside of Meridian. Mm-hmm. And small town once again. I was going to say, I'm noticing a trend here. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that lasted for two years. And 
when we came here. So we've been here for about five years now. Interesting. So, so let's backtrack a little bit. Um, Rexburg felt like that was a place for you mm -hmm. in there. I am kind of curious, what was the population of Rexburg without the students, of course, compared <laughs> to yeah. Oakley? I oh, mean, oh, it was much bigger. Um, really? Yeah. Rexburg was big to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So my graduating class had 24 people in it. And mm. so, you know, we like had gone to school together from kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, very, very family feel. <laughs> very much so. And yeah. what did you go to school for? Accounting. Accounting. Mm -hmm. And then career-wise, what did you do with that afterwards? I do a tiny bit of bookkeeping now. It's kind of funny. Um, I went to school not knowing what I wanted to go to school for. And the first year, I kind of took care of a lot of general education. Uh, the second year, I was kind of thinking, i got to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my patriarchal blessing, it tells me you're going to be a teacher all of your lifetime. And so I thought, I really don't, like my mom's a teacher mm. and I just didn't see myself doing that. And so I kind of <laughs> fought it the first year. And then the second year I was like, well, maybe I could do high school. Like maybe I could teach high school. And I went into history education for a minute and for that lasts to the semester. And I was like, I don't want to do this either. <laughs> so I talked to my dad and he, my second oldest brother is an accountant and he was doing well for himself. And my dad just kind of thought that would be like he suggested it. He was just like, have you ever thought about that? And so I said, I'd give it a try. And my first 101 class, I had an awesome accounting professor who's kind of like a, a grandpa figure. Yeah. And, Who was it? Uh, Keith Patterson. Okay. Do you know him? Absolutely not. But my, <laughs> but my sister-in-law took accounting classes at, at, in Rexburg and my wife majored in business management. Oh, and okay. so I don't know necessarily the course curriculum for that, but I'm just curious if some of those overlap. I'm sure some yeah. people might have gone Rexburg too, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm curious if they if they had the same professor. So yeah, I'm sure. I, I've I've met a few people here even that have been like, yeah, I know him. So, um, but yeah, he was really encouraging. I think the fact that I went into accounting after that was because he told a story about his daughter or daughter-in-law who had succeeded, and I was just like. She was my mom. I always wanted to stay at home with my kids. And mm. so I was just like, okay, I can I can do that. And it's funny now because I do bookkeeping, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> that is hilarious. Do you, so you enjoy being a mom more than you do bookkeeping? Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I'm not a good multitasker. And so it's really, really hard to wear both hats. But I don't do very much bookkeeping, but... I say I don't like it, so anybody listening to this doesn't say, can you do my taxes? <laughs> Tom does our taxes. I think, I, think, I think that's a very good disclaimer to put out there. <laughs> yeah. like, I may be able to do it, but don't ask me. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Uh, so, so it sounds like you had a little bit of a wrestle in trying to figure out what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, being a mom was one. Mm -hmm. Having a good practical career or even backup career if needed was important to you. Um, between those, was there anything else you feel like you were trying to consider, um, you know, planning that out? Well, let me backtrack a little bit. It was important to me. Um, we got married and we had a baby right away. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was just, I just kind of figured I was done. You know, mm. I was just like, well, I guess I've only got about two semesters left and then I'll, I'll mm. quit. And Tom looked at me and he was like, really? Like, do you want to do all that for nothing? Like, you don't, 
want to get your degree, don't you? Yeah. And I just kind of, that took me back because I kind of thought, wait a minute, you think I can do this? And so that was like really empowering for me. Hmm. Tom's really encouraging. He's a great guy. Um, he, uh, we kind of drew up a plan. And at that point, I hadn't started my career. I was in college for five years, not four. <laughs> and so uh, we drew up a plan and we said, okay, between internships for both of us and everything, we can we can work it out. So one of us is home with the kids all the time, kid at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like it, it was, it was rough. It was hard, but. And I didn't get very good grades. <laughs> but, How was that balancing that? Yeah, I mean, oh, it was hard. It I, was so hard. We so so Brooke and I. So in in my context, so I decided halfway through my undergrad that I was going to change careers and wanted to do physical therapy because mm-hmm. I was actually going to. My first major was secondary ed. Oh, okay. that. Um, Anyways, and so, and like my mom was a school teacher and a counselor at a high school. My two out of the three sisters did some sort of um, education and teaching, um, licensing in that matter. And so it was kind of like natural, naturally fitting for me to do that. Mm-hmm. But then I decided I want to do physical therapy. And then, so then we moved to Rexburg. So Brooke already just graduated a year after we got done, after we got married. Gotcha. Um, and then I said, I think we need to go somewhere else and so she didn't like the idea we were going back to Rexburg she's like I thought I was done uh-huh. um but we had Daniel um shortly after and I was just doing my prereqs to get into PT school and I was not much of a good student at the time <laughs> and sciences were very difficult and so yeah that was that was really hard to manage manage so how did you I mean how did you and Tom figure that out um well we actually only had one, so we had we had Emmett, and then right after that, he had an internship in Oklahoma with ambulance service as a paramedic, hmm. and so we were taking online classes, so I didn't actually have to go on campus during that semester. Hmm. We only actually had one semester on campus that both of us were going to school, Okay, and that semester was awful. <laughs> it was really tough, but we asked... I asked one of my friends who was a year younger than me who was going to college there if she could watch Emmett for me mm-hmm. in the library for, oh, it was just an hour and a half class, I think. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time we were able to mesh our schedules so that neither one of us, but we owe that girl a lot. <laughs> I bet. She saved us. That, that was, well, I, I had to call my mother-in-law. I said, I need you to help us out. I need you to yeah. come back and stay because... Brooke actually had a blood clot. She told me about that. Yeah, so I think it was a few weeks after he was Daniel was born. Um, she's getting ready to go to the shower, and she noticed her leg was just very discolored. Mm. And her luckily, her her sister was there because both she's the oldest of three girls, and both her sisters ended up being in Rexburg at the same time. And so she said, "I think you need to go to the hospital." Well, her I guess the imaging showed that she had a clot. I mean, throughout her whole femoral vein. So, like, from basically her hip down to her knee was the whole, was just clotted. Mm-hmm. Um, had she waited, that would have been more devastating. But it um, fast forward a couple things, it was just really hard for her just to stand on her, her own two feet. Mm-hmm. I had to help her to, um, I was doing PT stuff already. I mean, I was helping her <laughs> get out from the bed and go to the restroom and back or go anywhere else. 
and then we had this newborn at the same time and I was still and I was working and going to school oh, man. so I thought I called my mother and I said I, I you need to come back because I can't do this right alone and so she thankfully God willing she was able to come back and help us out mm -hmm. but it was hard yeah it was really tough so and there was a lot of things that I feel like I picked up from that I still use today so what were some things that you learned from um to try to balance that in that semester that you feel like really helped you along the way and the principles you still use today? Well, as you were saying that, I was just thinking, I not only had my friend helping us, um, I had a lot of miracles along the way. I remember I was in this class that uh, they were teaching you coding for accounting mm. and it's called access. And I remember we had this huge project at the end and the beginning of the class our professor said do not wait until the last minute if I find out that you've been playing video games and <laughs> you know having too much of a social life and I was just like okay I'm not going to do that but life was just so busy mm -hmm. and pretty soon it was like three four weeks before the end of the semester and I hadn't done anything mm -hmm. and I was just like Tom I have to get started on this and he said okay I will I <laughs> we had to like tell each other like I will give you two hours <laughs> and so he'd take the baby for two hours and I could focus on it and again Tom's amazing he would like if I got stuck and I couldn't like figure out what to do he would talk me through it and he'd say okay so what do you need the program to do and hearing him ask it and hearing me say it somehow translated into me being able to code it on the computer mm. and I felt like I had done all that I could and I was still not not passing mm. and this professor was very strict and he mm -hmm. was known for being very strict he's like I don't take late assignments if you come and ask me for extra credit I'll say sure have you done everything else you could and then you can get like 110% in the class <laughs> mm. and so um, I just remember going to him because our final was going to him presenting our code on our, our laptop and he I would see. run a few tests and see if it worked. That's a, that just sounds very intimidating the way he said it. it. Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> and so I went up and we all had our individual slots. We'd go into his office and I gave him my laptop and I said, it's not done. I'm going to have to take the class again. Mm. And so he said, well, let me see it. And he could see, like he knew I had a baby. I can't remember how, but he knew. <laughs> and I think that was my saving grace. He had some mercy on me. But he uh, ran a few tests on my code and he said, you are really close. You are this close. And I think maybe in his mind he's thinking, this university is run with tithing money. Do I really want her to retake the class? Mm -hmm. I was obviously getting it. I just wasn't finished, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, he's like, I'll tell you what. Do not tell anybody about this. <laughs> so here I am. Here you are. Yeah. And he says, I'm going to give you until Monday and bring it back to me. And I was like, thank you. And then um, there was one more thing. It was like an online test that we had to take. So I went home and I finished my program and I was happy with it. It was like, great. And so, and then I took the test. It was like two o'clock in the morning and it was due oh at my. like 7 a.m. Oh my I was gosh. So tired. Those deadlines. Yeah. Those deadlines. <laughs> and so Tom, once again, staying up with me and he was just like, and I said, okay, it's due in like an hour. And um, I think, I think it came up to the very last minute and I said, I don't have time to figure this out. What should I put? And <laughs> he said, put 15,000. And so he hadn't even read the question. <laughs> I put it in, and it was right, and I barely oh, passed that class, but 
Wow. There's that story. Just just mercy. <laughs> you mercy. Know? No kidding. Yeah. That's amazing. That is I that brought me flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> that and I don't know about you, but I cannot pull all nighters anymore. I'm no, I can't really either. There, I'm noticing that there's some first, especially this week, no matter what I do, even if it was a day off from work, uh-huh. if I hit a certain hour, I'm like, whoa, train wreck <laughs> going down. Yeah. It's time for bed. <laughs> That's interesting. So, so it, I have a very similar experience when, um, um, I was a very much on a timeline. Like if I wanted to apply for PT school, I had to had had to complete all my prereqs in a certain time frame, or at least going to. Mm-hmm. And so I was on my second semester of chemistry and physics. I think another one, those, those two semesters I had of chem and physics for me were the hardest. I really loved learning about it. I was kind of a nerd for learning, but I was not a smart nerd for that matter. <laughs> like I did not pull off good grades. It was really cool learning it, but I just couldn't get it. And I noticed my grade was starting to decline. I'm like, oh man, this is it. And so there's a, a buddy of mine in my class. And we took, I, I realized that, you know, how I don't know if they still have this feature, but like you could do the what if calculator, mm-hmm. calculator, right? You're like, okay, what do I need to get on this, <laughs> on this exam to keep my grade, right? And so if I had a C, if, if I was going to get down to a C, I would have to retake class. There's no way I could apply to PT school and be even looked at if I had a C in my, like those major prereqs. Mm-hmm. And so um, I realized I had to get like an A like a solid A on my final exam to keep my B, mm-hmm. which would have never happened because I kept failing all the other mm-hmm. tests. I said, I, I, as much as I believe in miracles, I don't, <laughs> practically, I don't think this is really going to happen. And so we took the exam and I thought, I'm going to have to retake it. I'm, I know I'm going to have to retake it. And so I told, I told my buddy of mine, but while we were waiting for it to come up, I told him like, I'm going to have to retake it. He's like, no, just, just, just give it a little time. Just wait. I'm like, dude, I don't know what you think this is going to be pulled out. There's no way. And so I didn't really get the exam back, but we got our grade back. And I told him, I said, man, if I get a B, I'm going to give my professor like a kiss on the cheek or something because <laughs> there's no way. Sure enough, I saw a B on my on my um, report card or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how in the world did that happen? There's no way. I, I mean, I believe miracles, but still, I don't really think, think that would have happened. Mm-hmm. So the, the following semester, I ended up seeing him. Um, I don't think I want to give his name because I don't know if, <laughs> if I want to because I'm over record. But I went to see him and I said, brother, so-and-so, how did I pass your class? There's no way I would have passed it. I know I didn't pass your final exam. And he told me, he just looked me right in the eye and said, you did, you did exactly what I asked. And that was just to not give up. And he says, so I passed you. And I, and I, and I know a lot of professors are pretty strict out there for good reason. And, and I think it's good learning moments to prepare you for the real world, how there's not going to be extension and deadline sometimes and you can lose money for that. Um, especially in accounting for that matter. But, um, I definitely think there's a lot of lessons to be learned about mercy and about, um, companionship. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, you really see, um, how much your spouse or your best friends pull through with you. Yeah. Um, and how that, no matter what, um, God still loves us and that he, he just, th- there's certain lessons beyond of what's on the syllabus of life, mm-hmm. so to speak, that there's to be learned. So Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that's definitely a time in our marriage where we were pulling together. It's like, let's just make it through. Because, I don't know, he, he, he had to apply for uh, PA school. I imagine it's kind of similar. Yeah. And uh, he, I don't know, he 
he was on a timeline, and so I I had to finish before he he gave an extra year mm. between his graduation and moving on to let me finish, and so mm. I, I I had to be done. <laughs> I had to finish. I was going to ask you. So you probably didn't go to graduate school. I did not. No. Okay. So so how does that work in the accounting world? So you get your bachelor's in accounting. What yeah. does that allow you? It, it varies from state to state. Had we stayed in Idaho, I could have worked as a, as a CPA. Yeah, I could have taken the CPA exam mm. um, without the master's in accounting. Um, in different states, they might not let you. Mm. But once I got done, I was just like, I have no interest in staying in school <laughs> a minute longer. And uh, I actually found the one client that I do bookkeeping for while he was in a PA school. Okay. And he's a cattle rancher in Idaho and I don't know. It's just it's great. It's it's enough for me right now and You're pretty content with that. Yeah. I teach piano now and that's kind of hmm. that's how, kind of how the patriarchal blessing I think comes comes in and I think so. I really enjoy that. So Yeah, that's really cool. So then while Tom was going to graduate school, you have so you have how many kids in total? We have Five. Five, right. I was thinking, I'm like, <laughs> I thought I saw five. I couldn't remember. <laughs> and so what order did those come through? <laughs> yeah, so I was pregnant with Heber at my graduation, like mm, nice. seven or eight months pregnant. And uh, we had Cade right after we moved here to Pasco mm-hmm. and started our first job. And then Colette came three years later, and we just had Christiana in October. So, Did you always want a big family? Yeah, I, I think... You put a number on it when you first start talking about it, but as each kid comes, you realize this has to be a play-by-play. You know, just kind of like <laughs> we have to realize there's other factors that are going to come in and maybe change our mind a little bit. And so, um, yeah, I think first we said we wanted like five or six kids. And so... Lo and behold, you have five. We have five, yeah. <laughs> five, I feel like five is a good number. If, if you want, if somebody wants big family, that would not be an ideal number for my sister-in-law. So <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. I think that's that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it like being done with school, Tom's starting PA school, going to graduate school, and then, you know, you're home with the kids. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because it sounded like you guys were both in the grind and both in the trenches of things. He went on to just continually, you know, going mm-hmm. to school. And now you're kind of more on the other end, I'd imagine. So what was yeah. that like transitioning? Um, it was a big transition. It was different. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being able to focus all of my attention on my kids. And I started babysitting somebody else's kids to try to bring in a little bit of extra money. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I didn't do that for very long. That was hard. It was it was hard to take on a bunch because it was an all day thing, and um, we didn't have a car. <laughs> Tom took the car to work to oh. school, and mm. so I was everywhere in the stroller. Luckily, mm. it was a small town, so I could get to where I needed to go. And um, I don't know though. I I enjoyed it. It was it was good. It was kind of hard in that small town. Small towns are great, but at the same time, if you move into a small town, I think it's kind of hard to break in. Um, how so? Cause I would think the other way around. Really? Yeah. Like for so, me, for me, I, I would say that, um, I don't know, like tri cities is big enough that it's, that it's not that small town feel necessarily, but it is smaller, but I yeah. still, but I, I would imagine I would have thought that getting to know people 
in a smaller town would be a lot easier breaking in. So what do you mean by that? Well, I'll give my mom's example. She moved to Oakley from Soda Springs. Mm -hmm. And um, Oakley has a lot of big family names. And Mm. uh, I just think that your insecurities kind of get bigger in that first moment, just kind of feeling like you don't belong. Interesting. And uh, I think I kind of felt that. It could have been also because we were students, and so people knew we weren't going to be staying, and maybe didn't put... We didn't put the time into getting to know them. They didn't put the time into getting to know us as well as we would have if we thought this is home, like this mm. is where we're going to stay. So I think it's it's on us probably just to kind of, you know, we were we were thinking get through school still. And so we didn't really try as hard as we should have. So, so with, with those insecurities, um, if you don't mind sharing, in those moments, I mean, what was what was going through your mind when you were when you guys were experiencing that? That you didn't feel like you were connected to that. You didn't feel like you belonged. I mean, um, yeah. What were some feedback thoughts you were you know you're hearing from yourself? I tried really hard to put thoughts into other people's minds. I tried to think, <laughs> what are they thinking? And it was all negative. Mm. And without ever asking them what they're thinking, you, you just know, kind of assumed that was that. Yeah, I just kind of huh. assumed they saw me in this light, and um, I don't know. I just didn't. Did really... that affect you a lot? Yeah, for sure. It's just kind of it makes you uncomfortable in mm. group settings, and um, you felt like you were like you almost as much as you wanted to try, you feel like you was going to be more rejection and awkwardness of that. Yeah. And you, you think about it. Insecurity is just selfishness. Like (laughs) you just think, Hmm. I think about it now. I'm like, nobody was watching me. Nobody was looking (laughs) at me. I wasn't on this stage for everybody to judge me. It's not like that. Yeah. And, um, I just think I I should have gotten out of my head. (laughs) Well, I, I think, I think knowing, knowing that I think, do you feel like that's helped you a lot more fitting into a new place like here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if you just ignore those thoughts and just, you know, go up to somebody, smile at them, say hello, ask them a question, and that all disappears. All the insecurity just goes away. So You break it. Yeah, you just, that's breaking the ice, right? <laughs> no kidding. Well, somebody, what was it? Um, yeah, no, I, and I think that's what's really unique about you. So, um I think every couple talks about other people, not in a bad way, but just about other people in the ward. Like, hey, like I met somebody here. Like, Brooke talked about you a little bit. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, I met a new person in the ward. Her name's Taja or Tasha. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, and she said just how you were just very um, comfortable to be around. Oh, and, well, thank her for and, me. <laughs> and, 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 and she felt like, she's like, yeah, Taja's just really sweet. And I've heard that from other people as well. And thank so... You. I think that the lessons you, the the hardship you've had to learn about trying to get past that and just realizing that most people really don't think what you're thinking and what they're perceiving you as. And once right. you break that, it's, it, it's almost that you become a very um, vibrant individual that people gravitate towards because when they are feeling those insecurities, they want to, re- they want to go to somewhere that they don't feel that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you give that off okay. more than I think you give yourself credit for. And, and it's, and it's just something that everybody can feel, um, anywhere that when somebody's very confident about just themselves or really just comfortable with themselves, that seems to go a lot more than people think. And oftentimes when people feel very disconnected, 
everybody thinks the same thing in the room, but nobody's willing to come out because there's so, for some reason they're afraid of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think for Brooke and I, we, we felt that a lot before. And now we're like, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're just going to go and put ourselves out there. And, and, you know, some people look at us and like, oh, like you're outgoing. I'm like, you should really see us. Less. <laughs> Not really. Like, Those I, feelings I, don't go away. No, they don't. And, you know, I, I grew up very, like, I grew up with the mentality that my parents told me that I'm, I shouldn't need friends, um, which is completely opposite to the way Brooke was raised. Um, like, I'd come home and I'd say, my dad, Luis, I said, Luis, I met, I met a new friend today at high school, you know, in school. And this is like during high school, I might add. And you look at me and says, well, how do you know that they're your friend, Daniel? I don't know. And, and, and so they were, they were pretty stern about that. You don't rely on friends. You don't rely on other people. And they were pretty antisocial about that kind of thing. And we weren't born, born and raised in the church. And so I, you know, there's that too. And, and so they had a lifestyle that sort of molded them to that way of thinking because they couldn't rely on anybody. And so when they didn't, you know, in school, like growing up, I, I really hated hearing that from them. Like, oh, you guys are just crazy. Like, why wouldn't you have any friends? And then as I started getting older, I realized, man, I think a lot of that, I think a lot like they do now. And I think I need to get past that. And it's like this, for me, this internal thing I have to keep in check that I need to get past that and stop being cold with other people. Cause I can't be if I really wanted to, but I don't. <laughs> um, um, and Brooke's the opposite way. She, she craves that, that networking of friends um, and other people that can connect with her regardless of how old they are. And mm-hmm. so that's really cool. I, I think that's, I think a big thing, uh, reason, you know, that you, that you hit on, because that's a big reason why I started the podcast. So that way yeah. can, people can stop yeah. worrying about <laughs> the ice that they're, wa- they're afraid to break and yeah. they just need to break it and, and be okay with that. Yeah. Do you think your parents went through some hardships that made them like that? Like, oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah so. Like, like my dad, Louis had to cross the border twice. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a journey for that. My mom, um, her dad left when she was seven and oh. she was in the middle of the three kids. Her older sister was just, just gun shy about everything. And her younger brother was too little to think about, to be aware of what was going on. And so at age of seven, she had to translate everything from Spanish to English or vice versa for her mom. Right. And so my mom was a very independent individual and she realized that she doesn't need to rely on anybody um, to look. So gotcha. Oh yeah, very and much. And that's so. understandable. Like it is. Yeah, when you when yeah. you when you were when you grew up a certain way, it really has an effect of how you portray yourself outward. Yeah. So a lot of people feel like my mom's pretty cold. She's a very loving person. She just doesn't. Mm-hmm. They she's, don't see she's that. not. She's not as bubbly as people uh, <laughs> as people think. So yeah, my mom. Um, she came from Soda Springs, where she had a lot of friends, and she went to Oakley and kind of felt that. And I felt like. I feel bad saying this, but I kind of feel like her, um, her struggles, her hardships caused me to, Mm. you know, be, she taught me a lot of things. She taught me, you know, you just need to smile at people like that, that goes a long way. And just, just little lessons like that, Mm. that, um, those are really nice things you said about me. <laughs> I well, appreciate it. It's but... definitely a reflection of how other people feel. Oh, I, like really you is. said, though, those feelings don't go away. So there's definitely times where I curl up in my little, my own little comfort zone, and and I don't go out of my way to try to help anybody else out. But which I think that if people, if more people 
knew how other people felt, mm -hmm. I think we'd be a lot more loving. Because I think if anybody in anybody in the ward heard that, they would just want to give you a hug and say, "It's okay, like <laughs> you're great," you know. But then, but then if if everybody did that for everybody else, I think this, I, I think there'd be a, such a different dynamic in the ward. Yeah. In that, I agree. I agree. Oh, you're inspiring me. I need to do better. <laughs> <laughs> So, so let's change gears a little bit. So then, so moving forward, uh, so what was the reason why you guys moved here to Tri-Cities? We actually almost didn't. We almost stayed in Burley, right by my parents' house, because hmm. that's where I was comfortable. Of course, and, of course. Um, we had gone as far as accepting, well, in not on paper, but in words. Mm -hmm. My husband had told the person that he was doing a rotation with, yeah, I'll take the position. Hmm. And... Uh, I don't, I don't think Tom felt quite right about it, and he kept looking, and uh, one day, I didn't know he was looking, and one day he said, Taja, look at this. It's in Pasco. We had done a rotation in Pasco. I lived in Kennewick, so we were familiar with the area. Oh, okay. Loved our rotation there, and uh, he said, should I apply? And I said, well, there's no harm in applying, but in my mind, I'm like, no way. <laughs> and so, That's what Brooke does to me. I'm She's like, sure, go ahead. Try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's dangerous for us. Right. And yes. so, um, they called him right after he applied. He works for Yakima Valley Farm Workers Clinic. He could use his Spanish. Um, it was, it's in Grandview and you know, we thought, okay. And they flew us out there for an interview and they gave him the job if he wanted it. And that was a wrestle for me. I was like, oh, like it felt really good when he was interviewing hmm. and it was a beautiful place. And I kind of feel like Heavenly Father, like arranged things just so like, so we went down in the fall and you know, the drive from here to Grandview in the fall was like gorgeous because all yes. those trees are just, you know, flaming <clears throat> and, and the river. And, and so, um, I feel like. Heavenly Father was kind of trying to quiet my heart a little bit and say, this is, this is okay. This mm. isn't home, but this is okay. And so, right. So, um, we, uh, we took it and we came back for a house hunting trip mm. and we were going to rent it first and buy later. And we looked everywhere in Grandview and Prosser and we couldn't find anything that we really loved. I don't blame you. <laughs> I go out there Fridays. I know exactly what you're it, it, it was. It is hard. And... It's, it's, yeah. And so we found, I don't know if you know the Liberts. They just left on a mission actually to nope. Italy. But um, we toured their house that they were renting out here in Pasco. And she's, Jill is funny. She, um, she was looking at us just out of college, two kids and me pregnant. And she was saying, are you guys LDS? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, LDS renters. We would love you. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And so she made me feel really at home. And I just told Tom, I, I think this is the house that we want. Because the landlords were so nice. And then we stayed in Pasco for seven months in that house. And we didn't want to leave. We were just like, we love really? Pasco. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We were in third ward before. And I actually wanted to find a house in that ward because I was sick of changing. We've been moving every six weeks for rotations. And I was just no like, kidding. I'm sick of this. I want to stay put. And so um, I wanted to find a house over there. Mm -hmm. But this is where we hmm. are. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're in this ward. It's, Do you plan on staying here long? There's no plans to move. So <laughs> As of right now. So As that's of right good. now. <laughs> that's what I said myself right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so day-to-day -day stuff. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I think everybody 
and you hear it during church, you hear it during conferences about, you know, how we should, you know, study the scriptures and do all this stuff. And with kids, it gets a little interesting, mm-hmm. um, right? Because there's, there's this idea, like, you should study on your own. Then you should talk, have a gospel conversation or study with your spouse and then, then teach your children. And I don't know, it, it seems overwhelming sometimes. It, it can appear daunting, if anything. Um, and sometimes you, I'm sure, at least for, for me, sometimes you feel like, I don't know how to teach them like these kids, right? Like to their age appropriate level. And I feel like Brooke does a lot better job than I do. I feel like I would, I would do better when they get older, but I need to get over that and just need to <laughs> be engaged now. <laughs> um, so how do you, how do you go about doing that? And, and, and it's not by no means, do I think anybody's perfect at it, but I am kind of curious, how do you try to do that? Well, um, I think it's a really important thing to make everybody feel needed because they are. And, um, I have tried in the past to do each, each person in the family takes a turn Mm. teaching a lesson. And if they're too little and they need help, then help them obviously, but get down on their level. Um, I think it's really important when you're figuring out, like you said, it's, it's hard. Um, but to look at yourself both close up and from farther away, like if your scripture study was on a graph and good and poor. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so right now you might be poor, but if, if you look back and say, am I doing better than I was like three years ago? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then don't be too hard on yourself, but also look at yourself close up and say, what could I be doing? Also, you know, right now mm. to do a little better. Um, but I don't know if that's a good answer for everybody. I think, I think that is. And it's just answer for you. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. This is definitely my, <laughs> I, I think it's just really good to hear other people. There are other people's efforts and notice I didn't really go more into how are people doing it, but how are they just trying it? Mm-hmm. Um, if for some reason, and I feel like sometimes we get at this point cause we all go in cycles. Mm-hmm. If you, if you do look back and you think, Okay, I really haven't been studying for a little longer than I, you know, care for it to admit. Yeah. Um, how do you come to grips with it? And how to get past that obstacle? Because sometimes you feel guilty about being guilty and you, <laughs> about trying to overcome that and trying to get back into it. Yeah. You know how? How do you overcome that? Um, I think I got kind of sick of feeling that way. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm going to share a little experience about a calling that I had in another ward. And I've shared it before in church, so Please do. I apologize if this is repetitive for anybody. It's but okay. um, I was called to be the second counselor in primary. And um, I'd taught in primary before, and I was comfortable with that. You have a manual that has a lesson that you know what to do. Mm-hmm. And in that in that position, it was less scripted. And so I was always so worried about like where I was and where, you know, where I was supposed to be and what other people were thinking of me again. Of course. And, um, just Sunday after Sunday, um, my Sunday responsibilities, I would come home just exhausted. Mm. And, um, I remember one Sunday I had Cade, he was a baby and, and I was in primary and I just decided, you know, I'm tired. I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to sit in primary. Yeah. Rather than go around, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> you know, different teachers. <laughs> Making like, sure there's, there's no fires. That yeah. <laughs> and so I just sat down and I was just <laughs> listening to these kids and make their little comments and sing their songs. And um, 
somebody said something funny and, and I was laughing and in that moment I just felt um, like I love these kids and I know it wasn't me like I, I didn't know the kids very well we were pretty mm. new in the ward but I love these kids so I know that it was Heavenly Father showing me how he felt about all these kids and um, and then right after I heard not a voice, but words came into my mind. You are exactly where you, you are supposed to be right now, sitting here, loving these kids. And that was, that was like one of the best experiences I've ever had with the Spirit speak to me. Because that's just, that's, that's the message of the gospel, right? Love one another. And um, since then, I've, I felt like that was a gift for me just to kind of like, you know, stop worrying about where, whether you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, what you're expected to be doing, so much that it's like crippling you, and start loving people. Like it's it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, back to those lessons that my mom, you know, tried to teach me. Like just smile at somebody. Just go do something good. And that's, I think that's part of the divinity within us is just do something good, do something that's, you know, outside of yourself, overcome those social anxieties and, and, and I know, I know it's easier said than done. Um, but it's, it's just, I don't know. I feel like just that feeling that he gave me of relief. Mm -hmm that I was like, I want that, you know, and yeah. I want to stop worrying about this. And so, I don't know. I feel like that's, that was kind of my, it's, it's been going up since then. It's, that, it's that, been really a really precious experience to me. It sounds like it. That, I, I think the amazing part about that was that you literally stopped doing your responsibilities that you felt like you had to do. And you weren't in you didn't have a book open. You weren't engaging to your clerical duties, so to speak. You literally just sat there and be yeah. still. Kind of a Martha and Mary moment, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I think They're both important, so. but so. sometimes you got to be the Mary. So. And, and I think that in that moment, it, it just seems that, I think it applies to any of us, that, um, and, and how you said it too, stop worrying about what you're not doing and just simply live enjoy your life yeah and that and there's joy in that um our heavenly father wants us to be happy it doesn't have to be in a very um scripted manner right for, by any means and and i think there's so much power to to that principle about being still and knowing that he is god yeah i've heard that before and i thought all right, but 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 when you feel that connection, when you the 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 knowledge, the difference between the knowledge of Jesus Christ and feeling Jesus Christ is just contrastly different. Mm. And when you feel His love, that is what gets you to get out of your funk. Yeah, it it seems as though it that um, that's the enabling power that they, you always hear. That it's not about everything all you can do. And then he can bless you. Right. It's that he blesses you through your efforts yeah. and your lack of efforts. And that's fine. That's definitely the point. I don't think we'd ever look at our children and think, 
Okay, well, you didn't really put your chores away, so sorry. Can't really give you a hug tonight. <laughs> that just sounds messed up, it does. doesn't it? It does. And so, you know, I think that it's the same thing. No matter what, we just love each other. And it sounds like a very, you know, 70s thing to say, right? Just love everybody, man. Like, but but it's a it's a principle and it, you know, um, that we all should live by. Mm-hmm. And we had a good state conference about that today, yeah. I would say. So, yeah. no, I, I think those are good points. And, and when you do, I think people um, can work around their insecurities mm-hmm. and start being themselves. Yeah. That's a really cool thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I love he said, come follow me, right? He didn't say, meet me at this place when you're ready, you know? Like, right. No, that, that's exactly right. So, walk with me. That's amazing. So so to kind of wrap up here, everything you've been through, especially since that experience and looking back, um, growing up into this point, um, how do you feel like you find Christ in everyday life? Hmm. With people, I think, I think it's, I tell Tom, I say my days go a lot better if I can, if I can talk to somebody Hmm. or if, if I'm able to put everything else on the back burner for a minute and just play with my kids, then I feel like that's a win, you know, Mm -hmm. um, with people, I feel like that's where I feel Christ's, Christ's love for, for me and for everybody. It's just it's just so much better if I can talk to somebody. If I don't get to talk to somebody, it's it's a rough day. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Well, well, thanks so much for sitting down with me and um, and doing this. Yeah. Um, Thank um, you. I, I think yeah, of course. You uh, think you have a lot of things that a lot of people would feel a lot more comfortable with um, about themselves and about you so thank you thanks Thanks of course it wasn't too bad was it no not at all it's fun i don't think we talk about like we don't sit down and have conversations for very long it's kind of no we don't how are you good okay bye bye yeah no i i think it's good yeah Well, that wraps up this episode of the podcast. It was so fun and just enlightening to hear from Taja's experiences. I especially really liked how she was willing to share the struggles that she went through and the things that she come to find as she was able to overcome those challenges she faced and those principles she was able to use to today. And I really hope you guys can take some of those and connect with her in that same level and hopefully use some of those principles to get through some of your uh, challenges that you're facing. So thanks for listening to the episode. Really excited to hear from what Tom has to say. And I'll see you guys then.